When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Going to talk Cubs at the, oh, probably the most critical pivot point of the year. I mean, it feels like they've we've hit this spot a few times with them, which isn't to say that the previous moments weren't just as critical, because of course, we know there was a time earlier this year when things could have gone a totally different way and... Um, but I suppose as you get closer to the end of the season and in a wild card race where five teams are separated by a couple games, yeah, it's probably not unfair each day to be like, you know what, today's a really big day. Oh, nope, today is a really big day. Uh, the Cubs opened this Pirates series uh, with a blowout win and a blowout loss, and uh, we were just talking off air before the pod, you know, a lot, a lot of how you think about what this series is I think could shift a bit depending on how tonight's game the season the series finale against the Pirates goes uh particularly because you've got a team that's coming off this two and eight uh stretch uh terrible road trip had been in the catbird seat I believe that was Jed's uh term but that's that's very appropriate to say they were in a really good place four games up in the second wildcard spot you know fell hard uh, and then came back, had an off day, and then a home stand against a couple bad teams. So it it felt like if you're looking for a moment for it to be like, okay, but that's when they got it together and they did what they've done before this year and they turned it around, this, this was going to be the start of it. And I got to say, through these two games, I don't really have, I don't have much for people in that respect because um, although the blowout win was certainly nice to see, um, Javi Assad looked better than he's looked the last couple times. I don't know that the command was still quite where you wanted it to be, but individual pitch-wise, there were some nasty pitches in there. Um, and the Cubs have beaten up on some bad Pirates pitchers, uh, which is good, probably good for the confidence. Uh, but I don't know how much it tells us about what the next 10 games are going to bring. So I'm kind of... Um, and I left last night's loss, which I imagine we'll talk about, with some continuing concerns, particularly about the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, first of all, I think there are some positives. Cody Bellinger is hitting the ball much harder than he was uh, for about six or seven games. Uh, he looks better at the plate. Uh, it seemed like he was completely gassed, and I think that's that's a good sign. Ian Happ uh, looks, looks really good at the plate. I thought the offense in general, just to get back in that game, looked good. I know they left some men on base and could have made it even closer, but... 
listen, they put up a ton of runs against the Pirates' best pitcher. I thought they were if like I thought the issue coming into that game was they were going like they just had this huge night and now they're going to show no offensive fight against a really good against a pretty solid pitcher in Mitch Keller. Uh they handled him well. Uh he put the right lineup out there by uh, I mean like I think I think Miles Masterboni that's the exact guy you want to face a guy that pounds fastballs up in the zone and and he showed why he was in the lineup. Kind of impressed by that by just the fact that I mean, when was the last time he had a start? I mean, he's barely played, and he goes out there cold and and looks pretty good. Uh, that that was a nice little, you know. Speaking of going out yeah, there cold and, and, and having Canario a great night. did that against you know a pitcher with a nine ERA and uh, and another back end bullpen guy for the Pirates. So so that's that's I mean that's good. But I mean, Master Boney did it against an actual good starter. We can say uh, no. At, <laughs> I would say too. I would add, people were so mad that Canario didn't start the second game. You know, he has a big night and then he sits. And oh, what Miles Masteroni's in the lineup? And even before that game happened last night, I was saying, well, it looks like a pretty bad matchup for yeah. Canario. It looks like a pretty good matchup for Masteroni. The Cubs are missing two third basemen. That that to me was completely sensible. So I was pleased to see that that worked out and well. Because uh, I do think that, and was you the don't right want call. the defense of uh, wisdom or morale uh, in in that situation with with steel uh, with steel on the mound, right? Like that's that's a thing. Like I think we'll see him. Like we'll probably see Master Boney start when Wicks starts. Uh, maybe just in general, we'll see Master Boney with righties on the mound. Um, you know, I I liked the offense. I'm I don't know why, but I'm not like super terrified about Justin Steele uh like those were those were clean hits but they weren't rocket doubles in the gap or a ton of home runs going into the seats um I I share your concern with uh with the bullpen I will say this I slightly disagree with you on Mark Leiter uh he didn't throw any splitters yesterday because he faced two lefties and they swung at the first and they both swung at the first pitch he just didn't get a chance to throw any splitters I would go look at the splitters that he's thrown lately. Uh, really good foul ball by Jiwon Bay and really good job by Corbin Carroll. He's getting, he's just not getting the swing and miss. He's getting the chase. He's not getting the swing and miss for like the last four, like the last four starts. Go look at them, Brett. They, they go straight down. That's exactly what he wants. But he's not getting, I, hey, I've been watching it. Uh-oh. I know. I, Uh-oh. I, Uh-oh. I, we're going to get hot again. Like no, I, I have been. Take it to him, Brett. My, my dude, I have been watching. <laughs> And the reason he's not getting chase is because they're spitting on the ones that would get the whiffs. So right, that's why he's it's not, not getting whiffs. It's not that he doesn't have feel for the pitch. It's ex- that they're like, oh, we're not – like, I think it's more they, they've figured out, like, we're, we're going we're gonna to spit on these. And I think a lot of them – like, go look at the Corbin Carroll at bat. That is a great job of fouling off some to he did he reached on like one? It, that's yeah, a, that's I, a great job of I fouling did, off. I don't but, think it's he's lost feel for the pitch. We're still talking about, like – what has he got? Three whiffs on the pitch in a month, and this was a pitch that had a fifty-six right. percent. This whiff month rate. has been a, come on. That doesn't. No, I'm not. I'm not saying like, he oh, didn't lose feel. The, he lost feel for it, but I think he's got it back, and now he just hasn't really had time to establish it. Like he threw some nasty ones to I Carroll. Would look to see. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure when it was really going for him, he would throw it righty on righty quite a bit. I don't think he was. Yeah, I don't think he was holstering. He, that. he now, would, he but he wouldn't. But he wouldn't get as like, many I, whiffs. On I'm it. not sure. I buy. 
I'm not sure I buy that last night he didn't throw it at all, his best pitch. He didn't throw it at all exclusively because, well, I just didn't have a chance because I was throwing nine pitch. I was in a nine pitch at bat or whatever against a righty fouling off. I don't know. He had 13 pitches total. Right. I mean, he threw 14, uh, anyway, he threw 14 if, splitters if, if, total if that, in August you, against righties, 16 total against uh, 16, 14, 13, and 19 was his high in April against righties. Like, he just doesn't throw it that much against righties. So. But nevertheless, this it's still isn't an issue. It's still an issue, and like, and like he gave up it, the two not, run homer. I wasn't looking at last night, and like he, he oh. gave up the homer to Connor Joe. Yeah. Like it was, it was a bad outing. I'm just saying, I'm, I, I think that like the issue with the splitter is less of a concern than just the pure ineffectiveness right now. I, I think that's the biggest thing. But he's in, okay, and, and that's like. Fine. I, and I would say the only reason he's in, he's ineffective is because he doesn't have maybe. I think I, I think it's coming back though, and I think teams I think know it, and I think they are just sitting on the other stuff. I think they're able to. I if you don't even if it's not even in. Your I mind, think you're right in the sense that they're sitting on some other stuff. I think he's had some effective splitters lately, which he didn't for like three weeks, two weeks. Uh, I think the splitters looked better, but I'm just concerned about his you're, overall you are, pitching. You are right; he's thrown some. And I would say, that, and and if yeah. if if we can fight some more, that may not have been a high leverage situation, right. according to Fangraphs. That was absolutely a high leverage situation in David Ross's mind. Like no doubt in my mind, he was trying to win that game. Was it high? He was looking at that. Then he was wrong. If you, if you thought that was high, okay. it wasn't low was, leverage in his mind break. because that's the sixth inning. A bunch of that was uh, the only pocket where there were lefties coming up, and he's trying he to three. keep that game there. And then he was going to put Marcus Stroman in the game. That's what he was going to do. I'm telling you, if they kept it close, even if you're right. okay, but even if you're right, even if you're right, then that's an indictment of David Ross because Mark Leiter is not a high leverage pitcher right now. So, oops, it, it's, it's one way or the other. Either it's a correct decision to put him in a spot that is. I would regard as low-ish sixth inning. So three innings, you're still going to have to cover in a two-run game that you're going to have to come back in. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I could go as high as medium. Although, like you said, Fangraphs had it as solidly low. Uh, but even setting that aside, it's like okay, if he thought that was high leverage, then you picked the I mean, wrong who guy. Who is he supposed to put? Luke Little? Uh, not that he's got great options. Luke Little can't find the zone. No, I'm saying Luke if, Little's listen, not a high leverage if, pitcher. He's not even like he's a blowout pitcher if right that's now. That's the high. If, if that's the high spot, then it's Marcus Stroman or is Drew Smiley. As as ridiculous as that is, that's the I don't reality. Know. With the right lefties now. and the switch hitter uh, coming up, I think you you put. I I get putting in lighter. He still trusts him. <laughs> the lefties that the splitter is supposed to be the pitch to take on, and the pitch he doesn't. Have. I think he has it though. I just disagree. <laughs> like even. it's going straight down. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. He's just not getting you the guys chase. Are arguing about a reliever the Cubs DFA'd <laughs> and signed to a minor league deal, and his performed far beyond anyone's expectations like of course he's not quite all the way there in late <laughs> September like this game got so far out of hand because Justin Steele could not beat the Pittsburgh Pirates that's a fair and point I don't want to pile terrible on offense Justin Steele he's been an absolute beast true, for this bad team offense. but like he's got to finish strong here like if you are the ace that's a game you win and so I've and I were talking about this last night, you know, like Jake Arietta on September 22nd, 2015, throws a complete game shutout against Milwaukee. And that's the type of season that Justin Steele has had, that they he's carried this team on his back and picked a really bad time to have his two worst starts of the year. And I don't really care about, like, his pitch characteristics right now. It's either you do it or you don't. And Sahadev had 
kind of the question on my mind, and I'm sure a lot of people's minds last night, like to Ross of, are you seeing anything in these last two starts? And I get Ross isn't going to bury his player and he wants to, you know, maintain this positive front. But he's like, well, you know, that Arizona start, and there, it was kind of like miss execution on two pitches. Those two pitches wound up with three run homers. Like you can't give up six runs, the two biggest starts of the year and think like everything is fine. And Brett, you wrote about it this morning, like this sinking feeling around the team. Part of it is because Steele has not come through in these last two games. And that's, it's obviously not all on him. It's a team game. He's a fantastic pitcher. I think he can do this again next year and the year after that. It's not a, you know, not a doubting his talent, his fortitude, his patience, his perseverance, all of those things. Uh, have been off the charts this year. And sure, you'd expect like some sort of a dip that, you know, he wasn't maybe going to be wire to wire like Cy Young front runner. Certainly no one expected that. But it's like there's only, you know, 10 games left in the season. The Cubs circle these Justin Steele starts as like we have to win those games. And certainly all hope is not lost. Um, but they're running out of, you know, it was just one of those nights, and that's right. kind of what Steele said last night. There's no wiggle room right now, and and I think the question is, do those sign do those games show signs of fatigue for Steele, or is it or is it just like what you just said, Patrick? Are are these just one of those games? Are, are those just like, okay, that's just, those are just bad moments over the course of a season. Now it's so easy to say that it's fatigue, right? Because it's coming two in a row at the end of the season. I, I'm not sure if I saw the signs of fatigue. He just didn't execute the velo. Yeah. Every, like the stuff is there. So what, so what are we talking about as far as signs of fatigue? I don't know. I don't know. Like if we're seeing those signs and I think that's, that's the question. I mean, Patrick's right. I feel like we, when when Brett and I get into it, it's about like the smallest things, about the 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 most minute details of the team that aren't the most impactful. Because Justin Steele not being effective is very impactful. So we're trying to like, I think diagnosing whether that is a blip, whether he is fatiguing, or. Uh, you know what it is, is 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 we need to figure that out and i don't think we'll know until his next start right like if he gets what is it it's going to be atlanta right so it's not going to be an easy outing either way like that's just that's a tough that's going to be a tough start whether it's you know may or or september it doesn't matter how fresh you are you go up against that lineup which by the way atlanta hasn't put away number 1 seed cuz they keep losing uh, so it, no. it may matter. And the stupid Dodgers right. won't stop winning. So this winning. series may matter. Yeah. Uh, well, what one thing that we talk about when it comes to long losing streaks in baseball and avoiding them, there's a lot that goes into that. And we've talked about David Ross's perspective on how veterans can help, you know, gather guys and put a stop to those things because they stay day to day. They stay focused. You know, they, they don't let things accumulate and spiral and we haven't really seen that this year for the Cubs outside of the stretch in May that was pretty darn easy to explain away just by like they just weren't the hits weren't falling at the most impactful times and it felt very fluky um they were missing Cody Bellinger there was a lot that was explicable at that time and you look at this stretch now where they've lost nine of 12 
at a really critical time. The, the other thing that helps stop losing stretches like that is if you've got an ace that takes over games and you know that's a win day. How many times have we heard that expression, right? Win day. And there was a long stretch this year where Justin Steele starts. You just That felt like a win day. Didn't matter who he was facing. Didn't matter who the opposing pitcher was. It just felt like he was going to be a win. And I know that that was a feeling going into that start in Arizona. It was a feeling going into a start last night, particularly after the Cubs had won. It was like, okay, cool. And now they have Justin Steele. So this is good. And that isn't to say that I necessarily think he pitched poorly in either start. I think I could talk around the results. You know, six six earned runs is never good, uh, particularly a short outing like last night. But like you guys have said, I'm not sure that the pitches looked all that bad. He was pretty dominant for the first three innings. And then sometimes you miss a spot a little bit and then six batted balls happen to, to fall in. And it's like, eh, things, things kind of deteriorate from there. You, you can't really do that in late September. Like nobody cares if you can explain away why these back-to-back starts from the ACE were not concerning. Because I think that's where I would land. I would say, I don't think these starts are concerning, but they, it still they sucks. They it still sucks that the two <laughs> wind days. Yeah. Like it, it just is a real bummer. And um, that I think with so few games remaining is a big part of why, I leave last night's game feeling so sour because it's not that I'm worried about Justin Steele. It's not that I'm mad at Justin Steele. It's not that I don't think they would be in this position without Justin Steele. It's that it happened. And in a game they really needed to win with him on the mound, he didn't get the results that they needed, period. And that sucks. Yeah, they scored seven runs off Mitch Keller. You tell me that with Justin Steele on the mound, I say they win, right? And instead they got their butts kicked. Like they lost by six runs. It's I, I, I still feel like this quickly washes away with the win tonight. So, so what you said at the start is I, I kind of agree with like with the, the tenor of this podcast could completely change tomorrow morning with a win tonight, because right now I think what you need and Jed said something about this, right? Uh, like you just need to win the series, win, win the series, win four series in a row. Yeah, he said win four you know, series. And, and I don't think that's crazy, and I don't think that should be that hard. Uh, it feels like they're making it harder on themselves. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I agree with a lot of what you just said, Brett, because I don't think I am concerned about Justin Steele, but it just doesn't matter. Like he lost these last two games. And uh, – there are even things about the bullpen that I could point to and say, like, okay, nobody's really stepped up. I'm, I'm like, what's up with Hayden Wisniewski? Can he, can he go an outing without giving up a run? Like, like Daniel Palencia is just so inconsistent. There are moments where I see him and I'm like, now that that's that high leverage arm. Then the next time it's just like, what? This is not competitive. And then, uh, who's the third? Quas. I mean, that that hurt yesterday as well. Like. You keep that at four to one instead of seven to one. Ooh, it's such a different game. Uh, I, I think you want what you want to see tonight is build off the offense. Continue to see the offense pile on. Continue to see the offense score five, six, seven plus runs. Uh, if they can do that, you you feel like okay, 
go into the weekend against Colorado. I, I don't think Colorado has a pitcher that that should be able to statistically put any fear into a lineup. So you should be feeling confident. But right now, it, it right before before this game, I, I just don't know where they're headed. And it's the the way they've been playing uh, just brings out so many questions. And I don't even know what. What 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 is the biggest concern, right? It's like, well, yeah, I, I agree with you, Brett. Javier Assad got the results, but that's a bad Pirates lineup, and he looked a little shaky at times. There were some really hard hit balls. I'm concerned about him. I like I said, we just talked about Justin Steele, Jameson Tyon. We don't know what we're going to get. Kyle Hendricks can't flip a lineup over a third time, and like even the second time, you start to get a little concerned. I trust Kyle Hendricks more than you know most pitchers around but I'm still a little worried about him because there's a lot of hard contact that's starting to show up now. He's not missing as many barrels as he was, uh, you know, like a month or so ago. Uh, and, and Wicks, listen, I, I like Wicks a lot. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the, the lack of swing and miss. He got the last start, but then he walked four guys too. So there, there's just some, there's like, I'm just not totally feeling secure about that area. The bullpen's a question. And yes, the, like I said, the offense, Gave me a little bit of a confidence boost the last two games, but still, like the the way they looked for whatever that was ten games before that was was concerning. So, I I don't know. I don't know what like I think when when you're concerned about all three aspects or not confident in all three aspects, uh, what does that say? What does that tell us? So uh, they're holding the playoff spot right now. None of these teams are terrifying uh, that that are that they're battling with, uh, but it, you know. Right now, it's just win, win, get in there somehow and hope you, you're you're healthy enough. Uh, I was just thinking about this. They could win and get in there. I'm pretty sure they're going to be facing Burns, uh, Woodruff, Peralta to start the the playoffs, and uh, it could be a quick trip. Luckily, we we won't have any flights to deal with, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're ready. Just post up in Brookfield, Wisconsin, for a bit there. But yeah, I mean, unless. Like Justin Fields comes in as a media relations consultant for the Cubs overnight. Like Justin Steele's not going to sit there and be like, "Yeah, man, I'm tired. Like, just hit a wall, bro. Like, there's no like effort. I hit a wall. It's coaching. Yeah, it's, it's it just coaching was the, the issue for it's Justin. Just like, but eventually teams kind of acknowledge certain truths that they can't in the moment. I mean, the 2015 Cubs totally hit a wall in the NLCS. They gave everything they possibly could to win. 97 games, a wild card game, beating the Cardinals. And it was just like, they didn't really have much left to give. And I, I'm not saying that's exactly happening with Steele, but it's like, you know, can you come through in this moment or not? And that's just not him. It's all these phases of the game that we're talking about. Like the Cubs, like, aren't exactly like passing the eye test with flying colors right now. And our colleague John Greenberg had a good Bears comp today, like quoting... Uh, John Fox, like, it's all a problem. And while the Cubs are a lot more competent than the Bears, like, all of these elements of the team right now are problematic. Like, I'm not really sure if there's, like, anything you can really hang your hat on other than defense, which kind of escaped them uh, in Arizona. Uh, The base running has not been particularly sharp, but, you know, someone has to win that third wild card and we can assess all this once the season 
does end, but I mean, all you're really asking here is to be better than the Marlins or the Reds and to win like 84, 85 games. I mean, it's, it's a really low bar to, to clear here. And if they don't, it'll just be a, just a huge disappointment. Yeah. Especially because in, in some respects, barring like a crazy winning stretch to end this year, it's already pretty disappointing in this regard. Two weeks ago, if we're having this conversation, we're talking about the Cubs grabbing that playoff spot. Now it's kind of like, well, the other teams aren't great and they farted it away and the Cubs kind of got in by default. And I, and I do think that that is it's an entirely plausible outcome. It is entirely plausible that the Cubs over these last 10 games go five and five and we have this same conversation four more times as we podcast we're like it's just not really looking great and they still get in because that's the because the reds and, and marlins do the same thing because those are very flawed teams those are not great teams um whereas you know the the phillies i think are, are significantly better i think the diamondbacks have a little more and have had a little more upside and obviously then the the braves and the dodgers are on an entirely different planet. I still think the Brewers are frauds for the record. <laughs> I'm never going to, I'm never going to let that go. Uh, but I think uh, they have shown that even in their, whatever their fraudulent nature, they can, they can win a lot of games. So I, I should give them credit in that respect. But um, it is funny that all of this could be pointing to a weird situation where the brewers have nothing to play for in that final regular season series against the cubs and the cubs have everything to play for and then it's it's the very team that you're facing that gets to set itself up for maximum success in the first postseason round and i'm just saying that makes it less likely that the cubs would win that postseason series you know imagine if the cubs have to use justin Steele on the final day of the regular season that means he can't pitch in the wildcard series unless he goes on short rest which i don't think he will and whereas the, the Brewers would get to use their front three, and so the odds would be low. But it'd be a pretty nice story. It'd be a pretty nice tale if the Cubs went up there, got in the final three. This is something the Brewers would do to the Cubs. You know, go there. We, we remember this from, from uh, 18. Go to their place, get into the playoffs, and then stay at their place and beat them in the playoffs. That would be a nice story. I'd like to well, write that. Uh, you know what the narrative will be? Well, the Cubs were focused that whole time. They never let up. The Brewers let up because they, they were they clinched. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> they got yeah, into rest they got, mode. So then, yeah. so then they they you know the Cubs were going the whole time, and yeah, they 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 weren't tired because they were running on adrenaline, and then they won those that three game series. Perfect narrative. And when they and if they lose, it's well they were gassed, man, and they they face those awesome pitchers. Yeah. So either way, we have our narratives written. So uh, barely have to think about it now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, like it's it's hard to 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 expound upon what we've already said. I think I think we've like it, I. <laughs> There was I was talking to someone uh, yesterday, another media member, and and it was like where where are fans going to place blame or what what did Jed Hoyer miss? What did uh, David Ross miss? What players failed? And it's like if they end up with eighty three, eighty four wins, they all nailed exactly what they thought this team was. Right? <laughs> this this team is is what they thought uh, that like is exactly what they thought. Right? Like I I don't. 
I, I don't think there's a, I mean, it's, it's easy to say like you need to, I agree that we, we can't, we have to change expectations now, right? After what we've seen uh, leading up to the deadline and post deadline, expectations need to change. But I don't think evaluation of the people in charge changes as much because it, it, it just it, like this is what the team is. And and you can say, well, Jed didn't get enough at the deadline. I agree with that. But I think we know the reasons why that didn't happen. It wasn't because, I mean, this wasn't the go-all-in year. This isn't the go-all-in year yet. They, they just weren't going to go above the luxury tax. And there, are, and I know people are going to fight about this, but there were, there are baseball reasons for that. And, and it's just, they are where they are right now. And I, I'm not saying anybody should be satisfied with contention in September. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. And it shouldn't. You should be disappointed and, and ticked off if they don't make it. I, I, I think that's that's clear because of where they were two weeks ago, like or, or even whatever, 10 days ago, whatever it was. Where they were and where they are now, it, it's unacceptable for what's happened. But I, I think, and we can talk about this after the season, this really isn't a discussion for now, but like when we have perspective in, in two weeks, if this season is over, uh, I think we can say, we can talk about some different things talking about being in the catbird seat i think they may be in that situation this winter like they're going to be in a really good situation and we'll talk about that another day right now we, we need to focus on on this and i and ultimately i'm the more we talk about it the more shaky i think the position is and and the only thing i can go back to is that i don't think the reds are good and i don't think the marlins are good so there's a there's a good chance that the Cubs can sneak into this, but I just don't know what you know. It's going to take the random bounces of baseball for them to to make any noise. I think, or or just maybe something comes together, and maybe Alzali and Fulmer are healthy by the end of the season, and and you have this. Uh, I think maybe that's the best case scenario, right? Jamer comes back Sunday, Tuesday, whatever it may be. Um, Fulmer and Alzali come back for the playoffs. Stroman uh, is able to go out there and give you innings, whatever it is. Like there's 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 various scenarios here where health and and guys getting locked in help this team out. But right now it just feels very shaky and very unpredictable. Just to circle back to stuff we talked about uh, on the previous episode, I think Sahade would back me up on this. It's in talking with Jed Hoyer and, and listening to him and reading between the lines here. I think this is an executive who expected maybe not that two and eight, you know, collapse, but he thought there would be some sort of downturn when he talks about the player's attitude and preparation as focus as a plus every single day. Uh, the thing that he goes to bed at night, knowing about this team, uh, clearly, a strong endorsement of David Ross's leadership style. Um, you did, there was not, walking into the Wrigley clubhouse this week, there was not a whole lot of uh, angst, uh, not even after last night's game. I mean, they have been very consistent, but in two weeks ago, the Cubs had four pathways into the playoffs. It wasn't ridiculous to think they could chase down the Brewers. Uh, the Phillies were not wobbling, but they were within striking distance. And I mean, the Diamondbacks just blew their doors off. And now we're just kind of looking at maybe they get into the last wild card. And, you know, while I don't think, like, jobs are on the line right now, I think 
a lot of the discourse has been super overreactive, but like getting to the playoffs matter. And like, if they don't right now, it definitely changes the, the tenor of the off season. I think there's a little more urgency, a little more pressure on them. I think that's something that David Ross has to wear. I think the trade deadline is something that Jed will, will have to wear, not in terms of like, you know, ownership is going to be like pounding the table, demanding answers or quick solutions here. But like, it just totally changes the tenor of when they report to spring training of if they have a bad April next year. Like, we don't know if the Cubs even get home playoff games, but that made the millions of dollars in 2015, which went direct, some of which went directly into their baseball operations budget and changed Theo's whole conception of how they'd spend between the GM meetings and the winter meetings. I think getting into a playoff atmosphere and playing in those actual games would be usually beneficial to a lot of those young, young players that have not experienced it before. And like, if Dansby Swanson was in Jed Hoyer's ear the whole time of saying this isn't a, you know, a, a switch that you can flip on and off, then like, yeah, it's a really big deal if they make it. And if they don't, it's an even bigger deal. Yeah, I think all of that tracks uh, particularly. I'm glad you touched on that last part because I've I've had that in my mind throughout these last two weeks, Dansby Swanson's perspective that like winning is something that you live day to day and there will be if the Cubs, you know, fall backwards into the playoffs, you know, because the Marlins aren't great because the Reds aren't great. There will be that won't be perfect. You know, there, there will be things to discuss about that, that, that remain disappointing, but at least they will have that experience and going into the off season. I just, I feel like there's something to being able to say, you know what? Nobody expected us to do anything. We made the playoffs and now we're building further from here. Like this is a stepping stone. We've, we've turned the page into a quote winning team and now we're moving forward. And I, maybe that wouldn't actually mean anything in 2024. Maybe it wouldn't actually change anything, but like, I don't know. It sticks, it sticks in my gut a little bit as I'm watching these, these games play out. So um, to that point, Cubs have 10 left. I think uh, I'll take Jed Hoyer at his, his word that if they could win each of these series, I do think they're in, I I don't, the math of that is pretty, pretty sound, Um, but it won't be easy to do. So it starts with trying to beat the pirates tonight and then they've got the Rockies who in theory are terrible 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 on the road so that should be a very winnable series and then meanwhile let's just let's just root for the Braves and uh root against the Dodgers the next few days because that would potentially be pretty helpful uh for for next week this is on to Waveland it's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic I'm Brett Taylor you can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation that is Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma get theirs at The Athletic We appreciate you listening as always and hope that you have a fun and safe and healthy weekend. Take care.